Welcome to Power Trader Radio's Trade Talk, the show designed exclusively for the savvy stock trader or investor of today. With the latest market analysis and strategies, stock market tips and tricks, investments with options and spread trades, near report, news, events, analysis, and research, we put it together for you. Hosted by Andy Peterson and Mark Eli. And now here are your co-hosts, Andy Peterson. Hey, hey. Hey, hey. So nice, I'm hearing it twice. <laughs> I got the power. Wow. Are you able to? I'm hearing some serious... Oh my gosh, I'm hearing some serious feedback here. I think it's because I'm listening to the show while I'm broadcasting it. So I'm going to go ahead and shut that down. Uh, that's interesting. Okay, well, we live and learn here live uh, and in person. I don't know. If it, you're not really in person, Mark, are you? You're up there in good old Chicago land, Illinois. Mark, yes, you live with me. Hey, Mark, how are you doing today? Good. Nice warm weather for a change out of the oh, 40s into goodness. the 80s. Thank goodness for that. And another benefit, you're not working for either Amazon or Tesla. Aren't you happy to be uh, working for Trade Caddy instead? Yes, sir, I am. What a wonderful And you know company. why, don't you? Uh, Trade Caddy has never been mentioned by, uh, by OSHA as being one of the most dangerous places to work. Um, I, nobody's died Ooh. under the care of uh, Trade Caddy. Unlike Amazon, where seven people have died in the in the last five years, of course Amazon's quick to point out that out of the 300,000 I think employees that they, um, you know, 130,000 jobs in the last year alone, and now employees over 560,000 people in the world. So I guess seven, you know, I don't want to joke about the uh, demise of anybody, but um, yeah, that's definitely a place where I guess that's probably good a good. Um, uh, a good place to work after all. But according to OSHA, it's not. And as far as Tesla's concerned, they call OSHA called it a company of the future under working conditions of the past. So again, I think as far as, you know, we may not have the market cap of Amazon or Tesla, at least uh, nobody has died under our watch. Would you, would you agree with that, Mark? I would. And it's interesting that Amazon, which is considered a competitor of Walmart in yeah. FedEx. Fed, I guess there was a rumor that Amazon and FedEx were going to merge at one point because mm-hmm. they do so much shipping. But there's a FedEx and Amazon. If they were to merge, what would what would you think that would look like? Yeah, it's crazy. They're they're a disruptor in the shipping industry. They've also threatened. I don't know if you call it threatened, but maybe they're testing the waters of just doing their own shipping. Um, and I mean, if that's the case, then what would happen to the U.S. Postal Service or uh, UPS or FedEx? I think that, you know, as far as a disruption of the market is concerned, that would certainly cause a stir. Right. Wasn't there a, yeah. a debate about Amazon getting price discounts because of uh, the bulk there uh, in, in driving the uh, the U- U.S. Post Office out of business, where in fact mm. the price discount is offered to everybody who has bulk. Mm-hmm. So there was no real issue there, but somebody was trying to make an issue there. Right. Yeah, and I think you know a lot of that has to do with the competition and all, and you can you know, take it as uh, for what it's worth in terms of what you hear, including what you hear on this show. 
uh, we want you to check us out as well. You know, this is a tongue in cheek that we're saying that we're a better company to work for than Amazon. Obviously, we're not competitors with them. Uh, today is May 2nd. Uh, the call-in number is 914-338-1702. We are, of course, the partners of Trade Caddy. We do Trade Caddy live video. We are on Facebook, tradecaddy.com. Um, we just enjoy talking with you guys. And, of course, we have the podcast that is um, going to be published shortly after this quick half hour. Um, it goes by really quick. And so today we're starting out with a um, review of technical analysis. We went through... Um, two days worth of sentimental analysis, two podcasts. Um, we're going to actually slow things down, uh, probably spend several weeks through technical analysis because we want to also cover a lot of the news of the day. And of course, you've heard uh, a short commentary on, on that up to this point. Um, and also some of the trades that we've been making, both live and paper. Um, and you can follow us along on a lot of these trades. We go live on YouTube and we place these trades um, and, and we also publish them after the fact. Um, I understand that my audio is cutting out. I apologize for that. Hopefully you can continue to hear me. I'm going to go ahead and shut down my think or swim. Um, and hopefully it's just Mark that can't hear me and you guys can still hear me, but, um, I'm going to shut that down. Hopefully that helps out a little bit. I am hardwired into the internet. So, um, I've got the best upload and download speed I can, uh, muster, uh, here in the studio. Um, so I wanted to go through about five trades, just kind of a lightning round of trades. Um, the first one I wanted to do is just let you guys know, um, I don't do, I don't do a lot of bear uh, call trades, but I do do, um, uh, them on occasion. And when I saw that the, um, Qualcomm and their NXP takeover was not going well, I decided I was going to go ahead and put a bear call on Qualcomm with strikes, um, the short call strike at 50 and the long call uh, strike at 51. Um, and so, you know, we don't know how things are going with Qualcomm. We do know that there is a problem with the regulatory bodies over in, in, um, in China and whether or not they're going to authorize these changes to take place within this industry. Um, and so Qualcomm, they withdrew and then they refiled with regulators uh, in mid-April uh, in hopes for approval. Um, so we'll see what's going to happen here. Today, it did dip below 50, which is where I wanted to go below, uh, which is below my, uh, my strike um, for a time. And then it went back up. So we'll see what, what Qualcomm's going to do there. Mark, you have, so long as you can hear me, do you have any thoughts on Qualcomm? No, oh, I, I actually, I did not know what, uh, any about that. Now I, is Qualcomm, they are, uh, they, they offer services in China, right? That is correct. And, uh, they're, they're considered like the AT&T of China. Yep, I, yep, something like that. Yeah, they're they're big big uh, thing, and so I I know that in China, uh, right, the ability for the government to regulate communication is a big obstacle uh, for invest uh, investors, and therefore, when you offer a service that um, does not offer a the ability for a government to regulate it, the uh, users will jump on that. So if you're in China and you're on the internet 
and you want to see a particular website or something like that or pull up data and you're able to connect to uh, the World Wide Web in the way that we do, then um, that's a lot more attractive than going through a regulated enterprise who is controlled by a government resource and, and who right. is controlling what, what can be seen and what can't be seen. And therefore, yeah. Qualcomm was on the um, uh, the forefront of, of where that regulation would take place and what won it. And in order for them to operate the way they did, I think they had to allow some government regulation. So I, I'm not really too up on Qualcomm on mm-hmm. where that, that crossover was, but I, I do know that they were, um, it's a, it's a big one. Investors like yeah, it. And it's, of, yeah. Yeah. And the, the, the geopolitical aspect of it, you know, with China standing in the way of, uh, I mean, it's an American company, and they're trying to complete the second biggest technology deal in history, according to CNN. Um, and so for them to kind of stand in the way and to know that the relationships are strained with China and, and the United States, is just all very interesting. And that's kind of why I'm betting against Qualcomm in the short term. That's why I've got that um, bear call um, on Qualcomm. Um, also, uh, just as far as you know, the industry is concerned, a uh, different industry, now we're talking about banks. Let's go ahead and shift our thoughts over to the banks. Um, JPM, I have put a bear, no, I put a, I'm sorry, a bull call on JPM in the past, and it ended up, ended up being a great trade. Um, and I'm, I'm consider- actually, I've done another trade uh, for JPM with the news. You know, since banks do well when interest rates go up, um, um, you know that uh, you can probably bet that it's going to be a bullish uh, event for the the big banks like J.P. Morgan. Um, and so, uh, 16 days out, I put a May 18th uh, bull call on J.P. Morgan uh, with a short call strike at 111 and a long call strike at 109. Now, as far as this trade is concerned, so far not so good. I went ahead and um, I think it's at 107 right now, so I think it dropped. Uh, but again, we're 16 days out. I don't know, Mark. You remember that JPM trade that we've done? It's. Right. Um, I looked at. I, I can't remember if I looked at Trade Caddy on this one or not. On this show, we have trades that where we look at Trade Caddy and its option trading tools, and then there's others where we're just looking at we're doing typical analysis or fundamental analysis. Um, some of the stuff we've covered in our covering to to make our trades. This one, I think I just decided I have a friend who works at J.P. Morgan, and we always have a lot of fun because I trade his, the stock of his company. So that's why I went with it. Those are the reasons why I went with the bull call uh, for J.P.M. for uh, middle of May. Oh, uh, it, I, I remember that you placed in that trade. And, and there was a several – we were surrounded by a couple opportunities on J.P.M. And uh, – Andy, you were always were looking for the Wheel of Fortune, which was a, a stock that you could just sit there and own and continue to do short calls on top of that. Mm-hmm. And, and that was the trade that you, you picked to do that. And you were, um, I can't remember the strike prices, but you were, we were looking at it. And um, I, I just remember the, the revenue that we were, we were fighting to keep a, a above water in that mm-hmm. trade. And there was two trades that we had did. One, um, you had went way, way down deep in the money, and the other one mm-hmm. you did out of the money, and, and and I think the out of the money turned out to be the good trade. And the deep in yeah. the money, uh, yeah. you you did a bull call on that, if I remember right, and mm-hmm. uh, which you uh, had put a long call in place, 
and then a, a short call on top of that. So um, I mm-hmm. think the, the uh, cover call was the most profitable. Yeah. And the cover, it's a lot of fun to trade. You know, my friend, he says, you know, JP Morgan, it's a, it's a trade. It's a, a stock you want to keep long-term. And I agree. I think it's a, a strong company. It's been around for a long time and it'll continue to do well. So, um, but you know, we're an options trading education company. So we put a lot of options uh, calls on JP Morgan as well. So um, the next one I wanted to talk about briefly was Netflix. I just can't seem to lose if you're bullish on Netflix, it just seems to continue to go up and up. I mean, it's breaking out and you think, okay, it's going to have to drop at some point. Um, and so I decided I would put a, um, a long call. No, I'm sorry, a bull call on Netflix with a 315 short call strike and a 310 long call uh, strike price for, you know, a 16 days out again. So again, we're talking just a couple of weeks here. I think the price went up and then back down. It's like it's sitting at 315. Have you uh, have you done trades on Netflix? Netflix is one of those, you know, if you there's a new acronym at least to me, F A A N G, Fang, and it stands for Facebook, Amazon, Apple, Netflix, and Google. So one of the big five. Uh, I guess you'd call them tech companies. I guess you can call Netflix an education or tech company. Um, uh, definitely continuing to do well there. What do you think, Mark? I. Uh, for one, Netflix was a trade that we went in a, a competition with another trader. And oh, yeah. uh, Trader S, we, uh, we're we not going to mention his name. So Trader S went ahead and went with a iron condor on it. And actually, it was at a bearish trade, betting mm-hmm. that it was going to be below a certain point. And you went with the bolos trade, betting that it would be above a certain point. And, yes. and for a short period of time, both of you were winning. Now, how does that how does that sound that and it's exactly what you said you had that roller coaster event where netflix would shoot up and then uh there was a pullback so uh depending on tra- how trader s did if trader s took an opportunity and and uh, close out his position while he was in the money he would have closed the trade with a little bit of profit however if he held on for it for maximum gain he would have lost so uh, yeah, I do yeah, it was a uh, it was a trading. Uh, you know, we got to come up with a cool name for it. It was like a Netflix cage match, um, and I just couldn't believe that he was going uh, bearish. But as it turns out, there were a couple points in there where he he definitely would have profited. I can't remember when he traded out, uh, got out of that trade. But uh, yeah, no, that's a lot of fun. He's got a show. Um, if you're interested, you can go ahead and shoot us an email at Andy at TradeCaddy or Mark at TradeCaddy dot com. He's got a show. Um, it's called The Money Magnet. And um, you're more than welcome to join us on that call. It's something that we offer as a service. And he's he's I, he's one of my favorite um, people to listen to. He's just got this. It's got, he has this way about him where everything is just everything is just cool. And, and you know, he's nothing is too nothing is going to excite the guy. You know, it's it's the ultimate trading like a Vulcan uh, approach where you know it's just all. I mean, he, it's just, he's, it's, it's kind of like a monotonous approach, like as far as his tone is concerned, but it's also just kind of sucks you in. Um, and yeah, he's no nonsense either. He doesn't like, he doesn't take anything from Mark. So he'll just start talking. Mark will try to interject and uh, it's either Scott's way or the highway. Now I, I don't, I'm, I think we gave away his identity, Mark, and I know you were trying to preserve, can preserve that. But if you're listening, uh, Scott, we mean nothing but the best. You're one, you're one of our best uh uh, instructors. <laughs> now, anyway, he, you're right. I love he's got this mafia like tone. It's yes, like mafia. Lucky Luciano and and yeah. Al Capone got together and put them on Thorazine 
and he it yeah. made him a Vulcan. Oh, that would perfect. be this guy. <laughs> yes, no, that's a perfect description of the guy. Uh, loves to fish too. So if you're, you know, if you want to talk to him about fish, well, actually, don't talk to him about fishing because you may never get to the actual trade. Um, but yeah, just a just a good guy to uh, to learn from. Absolutely, I've learned a lot from him. He he does a lot of our videos um, online, and so if you're doing a bear call and you want to look at the video, you go ahead and watch it. And uh, Mark, I think we might be coming up to a break, but I'm just going to go ahead and let you tell me when that is. I'm just going to keep on talking unless you tell me otherwise. No, we're uh, one minute and 30 seconds over. So great time for a a break. We'll be right back. Stay tuned. We'll be right back in a moment. Tired of trying to invent a time machine? Can't get your crystal ball to tell the future? Look no further. There is a wizard that can help you make money. The Option Chain Wizard from Trade Caddy can give you the ability to trade on future expectations. Not only can you make money on an upward moving stock, but you can make money in any direction, up, down, and stagnant. Go to TradeCaddy.com to find out more. Is your financial portfolio suffering because it's in the hands of someone else? Put the future of financial success in your hands right now. Check out our options trade wizard that will help you make money whether the stock goes up, falls down, or stays stagnant. Go to tradecaddy.com and learn more. That's tradecaddie.com. Yep. Tuesday night trades. Sit back and grab trades that are too hot to handle. Find out more at tradecaddy.com. Are you ready? I'm ready. Now, Trade Talk continues on powertraderradio.com. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, great. You know well, what? Talking about Scott, we don't have a uh, a commercial for his show, and we do not want to get Scott mad at us. So, so right. TNT Tuesday Night Trades. That's a show with uh, John, another great uh, instructor, educator, extraordinaire. Um, you know, before before uh, Scott gets too mad at us, I think we're going to have to come up with a an intro for him or a commercial for him. So. Um, well, I got one more trade I wanted to discuss. This one's not boating very well. Uh, we knew that we were putting it out there, and it was a risky trade. It was right before an earnings event. Um, I don't even think we looked at Trade Caddy, which is, again, another thing you shouldn't do. What I like about um, Ari uh, is that it recycles every day, and it presents its data that at the moment we come on the air. Um, so it's hot and fresh data served directly to you through ARI, mm-hmm. the Anal- Analysis Research <laughs> Index. Um, anyway, so T-Mobile, um, I placed a paper trade on this guy this morning. Um, Mark, you traded yesterday, and uh, it took a dive bomb today. Um, and I don't, I haven't looked at ARI to see if ARI would have predicted that or not, but uh, – Surely, I mean, there's a lot of stuff going on with T-Mobile merger with Sprint. What's what are the ramifications of that? 
Um, tell tell me what do you think about this trade? What the rationale was behind it? Where you're sitting right now with it? Well, that's a good. Uh, so to, you did it as a paper trade, and I did it as a real trade. So I did five contracts on a bull call, but I still have time in that uh, that trade. So I I set my horizon out to to take a, re, a little bit of recovery on this. So uh, to put this in perspective, Andy put. Um, his trade at $59 on a, a short put. I put mine at $58, a little bit uh, deeper in the money, but I put my long put at 57 So what that's doing is it's obligating me to buy the stock at 58 but I have the right to sell it at 57 So I picked up. So even though there's a $2 difference between that strike, uh, actually, um, is it, uh, excuse me, $1 the difference in that strike, um, I still... Um, uh, I get 57.58. Yeah, it's a one dollar strike. Um, I was still able to uh, pick up uh, an over a a hundred percent profit. I think I got a hundred and ten percent ROI if to go through. Mm-hmm. So yeah. the 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 point being, here's a trade where uh, my expectation is on May 25th. That's 23 days from now that this stock is going to be back up over uh, $58. Now, Ari, what Andy was saying, Ari goes out and tells me uh, what my stock prices are going to be, uh, my expectation on a particular day. So if I look at uh, where May 28th is on Ari, and um, I can go ahead and say, uh, what what is the day trader going to think? Wow. What is the spread trader going to uh, think? And I'm going to see that uh, the the day trader, which is represented by the volume, uh, the uh, put, put call ratios on the volume, is 0.28. They're saying uh, a, a 0.28 expectation is bullish. The spread trader is 0.42. That is also bullish. So any number between zero, actually zero, there's never a zero. It's 0.001 to 0.75, that's a bullish expectation, meaning there's more people placing bullish trades out there than there is uh, bearish. With a 0.28, you've almost got four times more bullish trades compared to the bearish trades. So the expectation is still there that May 28th is still a recovery point from Ari's point of view. So full disclosure. Yeah, I love I love that, Mark. I love how the OCW shows that information to you so that it tells you, you know, what the expectations are. And the other thing that I'm looking at right now with Ari is I actually didn't know that this worked. And of course, Mark is the chief uh, developer of uh, Ari, the Analysis Research Index. The more I say it, the more I'll get it uh, uh, pronounced correctly. Um, I'm looking at Ari's um, score from. Uh, yesterday and today, and I'm comparing the differences. So Ari gives you a score on any given day that you select. And so what's phenomenal about this is that while the, while the, um, uh, while the scores are similar between yesterday and today, they are different. And um, you can take a look at the day-to-day differences between right. uh, or for any given stock. And so right now, um, Ari is saying that um, it's giving a, the Ari score of 10.39, and the technical is down to two from four yesterday. So it's obviously registered that the stock has dropped. Um, sentimental score has actually gone up a little bit, but all in all, 
it comes out about even from yesterday. Um, it's only like three one hundredths of a point, literally three one hundredths of a point uh, different between yesterday and today. But really, a pretty phenomenal, pretty powerful tool to analyze your stocks is RE and the OCW. What's interesting? That's my is plug. Sen- that's my plug for our for our tools. Right, and it's a great uh, the sentimental score as a representation of the expectation of the investor in the future. And that's a score where you can get nowhere else other than trade caddy, uh, where we go out and we actually say, Hey, what is the traders? What are they trading? Um, Where are they placing their trades? What is their expectation at X date? And trade caddy comes back and tells you that expectation by giving you a score on that sentimental value between zero and 10, but 10 being the most bullish and zero being the most bearish. And as Andy said, right now, today, at this moment, that sentimental score is a 5.74, which means it is uh, right there dead center in the cautious to stagnant range. range. When they sit, when you have a score between 3.37 and 6.6, you're in this middle zone and the closer you get to five, the more on the fence you are and at dead center on the five is, is you're on the fence. You just don't know where it's going to go. Some people will say this is a range bound uh, position. Others will say this is a cautious position. This is where you're standing waiting for some sort of uh, movement. But overall, like Andy said, the RE score is a composite of three different scores put together, technical, sentimental, and fundamental. Our class, show today is on technical analysis in order for us to do anything on technical analysis we only got four (laughs) minutes left on the show we're going to introduce to you that's a glorious segue love that (laughs) we're going to introduce a a very simple uh tool out there in technical analysis to start off simple moving average so yeah Andy, what is what is a simple moving average, or do you, do you would you feel more comfortable with me saying yeah, it? Or no, I, got, I, I know I got a pretty good, I got a pretty good idea of what it is. It's kind of the basis for a lot of other technical analysis indicators. Um, basically, you're computing the average price of a security or a stock over a specific number of days. The moving part of simple moving averages that the old data is dropped as new data becomes available. So it's a simple moving average and so the old and the new indicates that it is a a movement along a particular time scale and so there's different so there's a we can give you a five there's a five-day sma and we can go ahead and give you that five-day sma example mark if you wanted to go ahead and and discuss how that would work okay let's assume that we have a stock in um five days ago that stock closed at eleven dollars well, and, and then you you would say, okay, write that down on a piece of paper five days ago. You're looking at the last five days. So if I'm saying a five-day moving average, I go back five days and I grab the stock and I look at the closing value of that day. Then I the uh, I looked at the fourth day from four days ago, and let's say it traded at 12. And then the three days ago, let's say it traded at 13. And let's say four days ago, it traded at 14. And let's say uh, yesterday or today it, it closed at 15. So I write uh, I write those numbers. Now I add 11 plus 12 plus 13 plus 14 plus 15. It need to be those numbers. It just simply means right. the sum of those last five days. Well, uh-huh. I've done it over five days. So I take that number, that sum, and I divide mm-hmm. it 
by the sure. number of days I just did, five days. Simple. And, and, and then I'm going to get an average. That's, that's how you get an average. And right. that comes up to an average of 13. So um, the, the SMA, five-day SMA of that would be 13. And mm-hmm. like you just said, okay, now we go forward tomorrow's the next day. I drop off the uh you know that i start over again and i look at the last five days from that current day and i just do that same thing over again and and i keep doing that so if i do a five day uh, sma it's the last five days if i if i do a 20 day em uh, sma i'm going back 20 days and i'm divided Mm -hmm. by 20 so that's a that's a sma that's a great point to stop right there and kind of sum up the show because we we've actually just got you set nicely for the oh, next show. Oh, nice! Wetting your appetites, people. I think you're going to come back because there's a lot more to talk about when it comes to technical analysis. And and Andy and I started off the show by telling you what we our decision for a particular trade was a T-Mobile trade, and uh-huh. we did it on uh, the Bollinger Bands, and we're going to get there. But in order for you to understand the Bollinger Bands, you first had to understand this SMA. And from there, yeah. we're going to build you up and bring you into this understanding how the Bollinger Bands came in and helped us make a decision yeah. for entering yeah. a trade. Yeah. And, and, and if I'm your, correct, uh, Mark, phone ring? if I'm correct, Mark, we have 30 seconds left. And I think a, a great way to finish the show would be to say um, – is, is a five-day or a 20-day EMA, are there differences in the, in the or SMAs? Are there differences in how uh, a day trader looks at a, um, uh, those, those simple moving averages compared to, say, an options trader? Uh, no, no every, on technical analysis, uh, everybody's going to look at it same. Uh, the, okay. uh, the one thing to say, the closing the argument about uh, technical analysis is that technical analysis is done with UL knowing even what the name of the uh, ticker of the stock is. Of course you need the ticker of the stock, but you don't know anything about the stock, nothing. In technical analysis, it's its own little tool. It's in the portfolio of an investor. But that wraps up our show. Andy, it was great, and look forward to next show. That's right. This is Power Trader Radio. See ya.